welcome to Kol Isha, the podcast that gives Orthodox women a voice. I'm Rebecca Feldman, and today I wanted to talk about a topic that I think is very, very relevant um, in today's day and age, and that is the topic of social media, social media and how we use it. Um, So as we all know, we're living in the digital age, the age of technology, and social media is not going away. Technology is not going away anytime soon. Um, These things are fabulous in terms of the major benefits that they offer us there's so much that we can use so much we can do um with our technology and with social media we can get to know people get inspired by people there's so much torah so much wisdom being shared through technology through social media but as we all know these things are certainly not without challenge and lately i've heard a lot of talk about how are we going to help the next generation and our children manage technology and part of the reason is because we and our parents grandparents all grew up without inundation of technology and so we have a frame of reference for how things used to be and we can sort of see how uh dysfunction has happened with technology but our children and grandchildren don't know um what life used to be like before technology and so for them they don't really have a frame of reference And I think that if we're going to be able to help our children use technology, we have to know what we're doing too. And so today I invited an incredible woman on to talk with us, someone that many of you may know, some of you will be introduced to for the first time. And her name is Jenna McKenna. She's here with us from Chicago to talk about uh, social media. Jenna created the group on Facebook called From Girl Problems, which now has over 16,000 from women um, as members. She manages the group and she does a fabulous job. And uh, I would love to hear from her what she has to say about social media, um, especially as from women. So welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for being with us. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to talk to you, Jenna. So can you give us a little background about yourself why you started the group, what you sort of had in mind to accomplish with the group, and where you are at today with it. Sure. I started, my background is that I did not grow up observant. Um, I became observant in college, and I went to seminary after college, and I met a bunch of really amazing women, and we were all over the world, so we want to stay in t- I want to stay in touch with everybody. So I was trying to figure out with another friend a way to stay in touch, and we basically just started this group. I kind of created it and invited some friends and they invited some friends and then it was really just started as a way for us to um have it have a laugh basically about you know our kind of many of us were newly observant so our our lives and you know things that we were kind of going through with family and friends um and then you know those friends invited friends and those friends invited friends and almost six years later there are sixteen thousand people wow so (laughs) that's the story and you are the only uh, moderator of the group, is that correct? The only admin? Yeah, over the years I've had people help out in it, in and out, um, but I, I would say I have some control issues with the group, so <laughs> for the most part I pretty much exclusively do the moderating. I, I, I haven't really sat down and articulated um, 
exactly what goes into my decision making in the group. I mean, I, 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 you know, I could if I, if I tried, but up until this point, I kind of just trusted my gut and my, you know, my values and that's how I run it. Wow. So that's a lot of work for you. I personally think you're doing a fabulous job. Um, Thank you. You're welcome. And recently you posted something to the effect of you put in about 20 hours a week into running the group. Yeah, people ask me all the time how much time goes into it, and it's really hard to calculate exactly. Um, if I had to, to guess on a busy week, um, I'm on it for sure from the morning until I go to bed um, and throughout the day, and it, it, I, I, can, I can estimate that it has come around to about 15 to 20 hours in a week. Wow, so that's a huge investment, and I don't know if, if uh, everyone who uses the group is aware of that, but you know, you're sort of, you're providing a service for people where we can sort of crowdsource and just bond with other from women, share our, you know, quote unquote, from girl problems and from girl solutions. And um, you're not getting paid to do any of this. So it's really uh, an incredible service that you're providing. Um, how many? So it's really, really time consuming. It's time consuming. You know, I think really anything that someone that people find themselves enjoying, whether it's whether it's a show or, you know, a community event, like, oh, if you're enjoying yourself there or finding benefit from it, someone else is putting hundreds of hours of work into it. That's so, so true. Um, I think on social media to other people who don't run it, you know, or haven't moderated a group, it just seems like how hard could it be? Like you literally just accept, decline, accept, decline. But, you know, as you can imagine, for a group to have structure and consistency and, um, you know, uh, to, have, to have it um, be a group of value, um, there has to be thought that goes into it. So it's really not just accepting um, members or posts. There's, there's, there's a lot of thought and time and, you know, back, back end discussion that goes into um, those decisions. Yeah, I think that's really, you know, valuable for people to understand um when they're using the group you know to sort of have the uh the appreciation for what goes into it um and what are the demographics of the women in the group it's from girl problems i'm assuming it's mostly from women but what what type of uh, orthodoxy and you know can you give us a little bit of a background of who's using the group sure it, it's like progressed and changed and evolved over the years but um, I would say I try to keep a minimum age of 18. Um, there is no, there is no maximum. And regarding the, the cultural, um, the cultural layout of the group, it's, I try, I have some questions that I asked before mem when members are, are um, trying to join. And I would say that I try to have people be mitzvah observant. Now that's a very broad term. There's a range of orthodoxy, um, um, and then in terms of observance, there's a range, like I said, but I think that um, I would say a usually a little bit more to the right Orthodox probably enjoy the group more just because um, that's kind of the tone that I keep in the group just because that's that's how I, you know, consider myself. Um, but really, I, I've been shocked over the years of such a, diver, a diverse range of mitzvah observant women that have found, you know, joined the group from Hasidish to, you know, really just keeping Shabbos and Kashras, um, that, that tell me that they really enjoy the group. So it's, it's hard to say, it's hard to say exactly, but, okay, it's but you've given us a, a little bit of a background on it. So we have some idea 
of who's in the group, um, you know, from using the group, I, I definitely agree with what you're saying. There's there's a huge range. And uh, to sort of segue into one of the things I wanted to talk about, you know, I think that that's a really beautiful thing. I think that, you know, when we see any group of women um, from Jewish life who are together in whatever capacity and, you know, experiencing something together and they're not necessarily from the same exact uh, demographic and you can't really put them into the same exact uh, box, but they're more so of a spectrum and they're together in a group to have a shared experience. To me, that's something really, really beautiful and something that um, I think we're really aiming for as uh, Orthodox women to be able to get along with each other and to be able to exhibit Abbas Yisrael. And how are you seeing that play out in the group? Are the women of uh, the spectrum getting along? Is there any sort of, you know, disagreements or friction happening? Um, what has been your experience moderating this? Sure. Um, just like the diversity of the group, there's certainly diversity in, in how people have interacted over the years. Um, just like anything powerful, there is great potential for positivity and good and great potential for total destruction. Um, I've seen both. Um, it's hard to say what there is more of. I try to believe that there's more good than bad, which is why the group is still in existence. If I felt strongly that there was more bad than good, which I have at times, and considered closing it, um, it would be it would be closed at this point. It just wouldn't be worth it to me. It wouldn't be Jewish. So, you know, I, I would say that I've seen people try to have productive conversations. I've seen people come around. I've seen people, um, you know, really step outside of themselves to try to understand. And sometimes that's just through a private message to me in a conversation that we've had where they've come around where I said to them, you know, like, I know that you're, you're, you're strong in your convictions, but the way that you're saying things just really isn't coming across in a productive way. And I have had people 100% come around and really change their tone in the group. And I've seen dramatic improvement with how they interact with, with people they disagree with. Um, you know, we're always going to disagree with people, but I think that in a Facebook group, it's so anything that you carry in your day-to-day -day life, if you're angry about something, if you're holding something in, if you're in pain about something, um, as soon as you see one comment from somebody that you don't know it just says their name, a tiny little picture, and a, and a comma that you totally disagree with. It, it feels like an opportunity almost to just let out all these feelings that someone's been carrying. So that ha it really does happen a lot. Um, I do my best to monitor. I have people that reach out to me and say, you know, did you see this? So I'm not doing it alone. A lot of women in the group have asked me that to, to um, bring something to my attention if they think that I might not have seen it. Um, but it, it, it certainly happens that people really can tear each other down. Um, and usually it's not so much about the subject that they're discussing. It tends to be, you know, you can sense that there's something personal going on for that person that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also the, the really amazing things that do happen. There's, there's like real chizuk support being given to one another. Um, there's, there's people being vulnerable, um, you know, and I have mixed feelings about vulnerability and social media. We can get into that, especially when we talk about, you know, future generations. But um, there have been times where someone shared something, you know, maybe not the most personal, but fairly personal. And it's really given someone else great, you know, 
comfort um, and knowing that they're not alone. So there, there have been some very beautiful things that have happened and they're on, a, on you know, a weekly basis are some very um, destructive, painful things that happen. So what you're saying is that if you see something destructive or if you see a particular member who's, you know, not responding appropriately to someone else, you'll go and private message them to say that you, you don't like or approve of how they're interacting? Right. Um, oh, yes, I do. I do very, very often, actually. Um, wow. I would say about it depends on what's going on. It depends on the post, the subject, who who's brought into it. But um, I would say I've messaged probably about over the years, probably anywhere from it's really hard to say. And I don't want to exaggerate, but I want to say anywhere from 50 to 100 people privately um, about their either something they said, a general tone or, you know, just anything related to their interactions in the group. So I private message people. It feels like more, but may, I, don't, I don't know if it's, it's, if it's more than 100 Um privately to say you know it depends so sometimes um i'm sensing that this person is not going to as we say be macabre that they're not going to be able to receive um any sort of feedback from me um especially critical feedback so at that point i usually just remove them from the group um but if someone's been an active member for you know some time now and they have contributed positively over the years i've seen positive comments um i really do try to give them an opportunity if i'm if i'm sensing that their tone is getting harsh or you know critical of of others i really do often believe that that someone's just kind of going through something and doesn't realize how they're coming across. Right. So I, 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 it does, I do message people, um, once every couple months, I would say, um, about something specific they've said or the way they've said it. And I have absolutely had people say, you know, and at first they're not always so receptive, but we can, we can both work hard and it's forced me to work hard to have respectful conversations about things that are difficult and people have absolutely come around and I've seen dramatic improvement. I think that, you know, what you're bringing up is amazing because I don't think everyone realizes, like, I mean, the users of the group realize that you're doing this and you're really putting in so much more effort than you even need to, to really make this a positive environment. And like, I never knew of, of all these things that are going on behind the scenes. I'm happy I've never gotten one of these messages. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I had no idea that you were really taking it so personally um, to ensure that there's a positive um, environment in the group. And I think that what you're saying brings up a really important point because you know, as, as sort of a society, we have lost this ability to have polite disagreements. Um, I see this like on a political level. Um, I see this and then so many issues like, of course, different people are going to have different opinions and disagreements, but we've become such a polarized society where it's like almost every issue has extremes and nothing in between. It's like, I am extremely pro and you are extremely anti and we have no middle ground. And so when when I see your opinion online and I disagree with that, I'm just going to attack. And I see this so often where it's like, you know, it's okay. Like we can disagree. We don't have to agree, but we can also have a conversation where maybe we could find some middle ground. Um, and it's totally 
wonderful for people to express their disagreements because I think that if we lose that ability, then we also lose the ability to promote any sort of positive changes, right? Like if we can never talk out an issue, how can we ever find any middle ground and come to any sort of agreement about anything? So I see this a lot online where people are just very much in attack mode all the time um, and it's it's disturbing. Yeah, it, it really is disturbing. I think that the world, you know, and I think we can point to this in many parts of the Jewish world, but the, the, so the world of social media is really heavily influenced by the social and political climate. Um, and I think for the past, you know, eight to 10 years, the, the world of social media has not only exploded, but the, but the political social, um, world, particularly mainly America, um, has been so divided. And I think that a lot of people are experiencing, um, people who really spend a lot of time online are seeing such, um, propaganda in both directions that really is forcing them to carry some very, um, it, 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 it what propaganda does is it polarizes a person in a certain direction. So if somebody was kind of middle of the road, open-minded, um, they're now dramatically to one side. And that's, that's because we're seeing things that are so frustrating on the opposite side, rather than, you know, food for thought, it's really now so polarizing. I think what, what's happened is that's really seeped into, um, social media and what, what could have been, you know, fun and friendly Facebook groups are now really areas where people bring a lot of their, their um, frustrations from other areas and they, they, their reaction when they see a, 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 a comment or a post that they, they feel is going to um, bring people in a, in a way they don't agree with, they feel this um, drive inside of them for justice to stand up for what's right. And that, that could be completely the opposite of what someone else believes is right. So right. then you're going head to head on, on various topics that are masked, very often masked in what we call, what we say as litualis, you know, like purposeful. We feel that we're, we're doing this like really the shame shemayim in God's name. Um, but what's happening is it's really just about this general climate that we're all experiencing on the internet and in the world. Um, uh, that we're bringing to how we interact with people on social media. So what are some of the topics that uh, that you feel get people going in this way? I, you alluded to political things like, um, yeah. I think I've noticed anything related to the president, of course, can be yeah. extremely polarizing. What are some other issues that seem to bring this out? Um, I would say the biggest issues in the Facebook group, because it is a religious group, are um, when it comes to specific opinions that that dif different groups of Jews hold differently on. So it could be anything from modesty to kosher to um, even specific Shabbos laws. Um, it, it's, it's really anything related to a topic that has a range of opinions that people hold by. Um, that's when people get and I hate this word, but triggered. They mm -hmm. really do. It hits. Uh, if if someone is feeling at all um, frustrated or remotely insecure about something, whether it's like for many women, modesty, whether it's um, 
you know, time spent on technology, which has come up, you know, uh, people feel like they need to either defend their position or they need to explain themselves, but it, it almost always comes across when it's, when it's really personal, it, it comes across very often combative because people are so, they're carrying something that they haven't quite worked out. You know, you'll see very often that a conversation will happen, let's say, let's take something less personal, um, like a specific, you know, Shabbos detail, a specific Shabbos law, um, like, you know, maybe... I, I, I know a woman who I tried to find leniencies with putting makeup on in shop at certain types of makeup. So many people are fairly secure with where they're holding on that, whether they're, they really, they don't, they don't put any and they're, they're fine about that. They're not really bothered if somebody else does, but if something is very personal, like, um, eating in people's other people's homes, um, re- regarding cautious. So those kinds of things pe- bring out the, very personal parts of people because for whatever reason, whether they had a friend that didn't eat in their home. So now they're, they're obviously feeling really antagonistic about this whole subject. So, um, we're frustrated about it. So when it comes to a topic that really gets personal for a woman, um, and like, you know, I'll say it for a third time, modesty, which is so personal for so many women. Um, if somebody hasn't fully worked it out and they're, they're either experiencing some frustrations with it, um, or just, insecurities about maybe their bodies or their style um so that those are the areas where it it can really often bring out the worst in people because because they're in pain about something Mm -hmm. so what do you suggest like you know say i'm scrolling through the group and i see a post that that i suddenly feel like oh my gosh i need to respond to this um is it more productive to sort of force myself to keep going and not say anything because I know that what might come out might be, come across wrong or too strong, or is it more worthwhile in your opinion to, to voice my opinion, maybe try to tone it down a little bit and maybe try to be aware of, you know, the, the tone or the words I'm using and engage in a conversation versus just not saying anything. Um, you know, because we want to have productive conversation we don't want to come across rude or bullying or whatever it may be, um, but we don't want to hurt anyone in the process either. Sure. It's, it's you know, it's such, it's like the famous last question that I really wish everybody would kind of ask themselves. Um, I've worked very hard on this over the years. I, I'm a very, um, I'm a very thoughtful and I, uh, opinionated person. I have really strong conviction. So for me, my gut reaction very often is to say something, but I find that there's a couple things a person can do to assess whether it's going to be productive or whether it's going to be destructive. Um, and I think the first thing that a person should do is ask themselves, is this a hot button topic for me? Um, is that the word hot topic button? Hot button. Hot button. Yeah, no, I think that's an excellent question actually. <laughs> If they, you know, and that doesn't mean you can't say anything, but you have to first ask yourself, is this a, is this a very sensitive conversation topic for me? Do I, you know, in my day-to-day life, when this comes up, do I very often get worked up about it? You know, are there some things that I haven't quite worked on about this that um, aren't totally ironed out where that means I'm still carrying some, some, some conflicted or um, frustrated feelings about this topic? So first is 
like, is this a sensitive topic for me? Is I think what a person can do immediately. I mean, I think many of us are very, you know, we're a lot of us, a lot, a lot of, of us Jewish women are really, we, we really are introspective. We want to do the right thing. We are trying to be our best selves. So I think if a person really takes the time to figure out what kind of, you know, top three or five or just one um, topic is really especially sensitive for us, then we can start to break down whether or not we're going to be able to contribute kindly and productively, rationally and respectfully. So um, I think the first thing a person has to do is ask themselves, is this a sensitive topic for me? Because once you do that, you know if you can start formulating a, a kind, productive response. I love what you just said, kindly, productively, responsibly, and and what was the last one? Um, Respectfully. Respectfully. I think that if everyone can take those four words and write them down on a little post-it note and put it either on your phone or your computer or wherever it is that you go online and look at them all the time when you're about to post or respond or engage with anyone online and you can also put this on your fridge because it's so important when you engage with just regular people in your life your family whatever if we can all employ all those four concepts when we're engaging with people I think the world would be a totally different place and I love that you For just sure. brought that up you know and I think in person I think especially you know in marriage with ch- with our children with our parents with our siblings and close friends it's much more difficult to do this because Sometimes you're caught off guard or, you know, you're in the moment, but we have a real opportunity in so on social media to practice this because we have a moment before we type, which we don't, that nobody is expecting anything from us. Nobody asked for, you know, your opinion yet. Nobody, you know, nobody is speaking directly just to you in person. So I think on social media, we have a real opportunity to kind of practice the skill of thinking before we speak, which sounds crazy because we teach kindergartners to think before they speak. But as adults, we start thinking faster than we're speaking. And so we lose that skill and the ability to really pause, collect ourselves, and then say what we think we need to say. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, we're, we, we see people that seem to just be able to have things roll off their tongue, whether it's in public interviews or like this on a podcast or politicians speaking, we're not seeing the process of thinking before they speak. And very often that's because they're not thinking before they speak. But we, I think we're worried that we might lose someone's attention if we pause, but what's really going to happen is it's, there's just a huge likelihood that it's going to end better than if we, if we just let words and our feelings roll off our tongue. Yeah, we see that that a lot. Yeah, sure. We see that a lot in this Twitter culture where everyone's just like tweeting, 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 you know, like stop tweeting for a moment and think about what you're about to put down. And, you know, what what a lot. I don't know if this occurs to a lot of people, but I've heard this, uh, you know, from a few different um, technology experts, so to speak, who say that, you know, we should teach this to our kids, but we should really internalize this ourselves as well. What you put out there online is there forever. You can, I mean, how many times have we seen where a politician puts something out there on Twitter and then deletes it because they realize right after they hit send that this could go over wrong. (laughs) Yeah, but you know that tens of thousands of people saw that in the one second before they deleted it, screenshotted it, and then produced it as like a, a newspaper article or, you know, an online news site saying, 
so-and-so tweeted this, then deleted it. And now it's like so much more sensational because they actually yeah. deleted it five seconds later, but it's there. It's there forever. And how many people have we seen politicians or, you know, just regular people whose, whose lives are being ruined now because of something that was caught online 10 years ago, you know, like, so this person made a racist comment 10 years ago. Now they're running for public office. Now their whole campaign just got destroyed because someone dug up a racist comment that they made on, you know, MySpace or some defunct uh, social media site that doesn't even exist anymore. What you put out there online is forever. And even if you don't wind up running for public office, the effects of it can be rippling. You don't know who you're talking to on the other end. You don't know what their experience has been in life and how they're going to take it. And you, you may never even have the opportunity to know because you can't see how they reacted. You don't know that they you know, you could have destroyed something within them by saying something, you know, insensitive that, you know, you didn't give enough thought to. And what's so interesting about what you just said is that I heard this concept from two different people recently, and it really resonated. There's this concept uh, that psychologists have named called online disinhibition effect. And they relate it to cyberbullying because when people go online, and like you said, all they see is your name. Sometimes people don't even use their real name. Sometimes there's a tiny little picture. Sometimes it's not even a picture of them or it's just a picture of a flower or whatever. And you don't feel like you're talking to another person in the same way as if you're face-to-face -face or even on the phone. And therefore, you're so much more likely to just say anything because you cannot see or hear the other person's reaction in real time. And I thought that was so fascinating. You're seeing this a lot with, you know, teenagers and kids with cyberbullying, but we're talking about a group of grown women, right? And how many times have you seen it's people really say things? Saying. Yeah. That like, you know, how is this other person going to perceive that? Right. Sometimes I'm shocked and I think, and I know that woman, late 40s I am just like how is it possible that you've experienced so much more of life and um you know you you haven't found a way to to speak to another adult in a in a kind way you know that you don't know um so, so I find like you know what you're saying is it is it's the it's the biggest problem on social media the Jew, the Jewish people are not by any means exempt from it. We, some of our worst selves are brought out, um, on social media because of this, what you said, I think you said, um, uh, disinhibition effect. Mm -hmm. So how people, you know, they, they, they lose all sense of empathy and other orientedness. The second something is, is online. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with Besides the fact that for sure it's not real life, it's not a, you're not face to face, but also it's so it takes two seconds to type, um, so it feels so unimportant and minuscule, and you can't imagine how it could possibly hurt someone that much because it was so easy to do. You know, like if somebody, it's not like somebody started an online campaign to you know, which is an extreme, which does absolutely happen. It's not like someone started an online campaign um, against someone's, you know, comment. They're just writing their own little comment response. Why is it so bad? Um, why is it such a big deal? I'm just being honest. You know, and I've had people give me every excuse in the book. I'm, I'm just a blunt person. I'm just saying my opinion. I'm just saying what I think, free speech. Um, but, but people just, 
I know, and it's it's funny because again, in kindergarten, we learn sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, that's not true. It's not true. I don't know who started that, <laughs> but words words hurt people way more than any physical pain. Way more. It gets at your your the core. Why does it hurt more? Because it gets at the core of who you are. So if somebody attacks, you know, your value or your belief system, so that is way more of who you are than your than your skin, than your exterior skin, than your, you know, than giving you a punch in the cheek like that. Your, your cheek is not who you are. Your values are who you are. Right. So that's, that's really why um, it's because it's so easy to type and it takes so little time and so little thought. People are completely separated from the concept in that moment. They're separated from the concept that their words can have a powerful effect. And I think like, if I can, I want to take it a step further from what you said, what you just said, because you said that, um, you know, someone might respond to you, well, I'm just a blunt person. So, you know, whatever. But can we talk about how if I know that blunt person in real life, right, let's say they're a close friend, let's say they're my sister, and we have a relationship that goes back 20 years, and I know she's a blunt person. So I know that if she says that, I just kind of write it off and laugh and whatever, because that's her. Online, I don't know her. So if she says a comment to me because she's quote unquote a blunt person, I don't know that. I have no frame of reference for that. And it's not as easy for me to write that off and go, oh, whatever, it's just her. To me, that's like, wow, that's a punch in the gut. And it feels like she's attacking me. So if anything, you know, I want to suggest that maybe online, we have to be even more careful and sensitive because we don't know who we're talking to and they don't know us. So things can be misconstrued so much more. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And, you know, I've actually said to people before who, you know, there was there was someone um, maybe last year who she she just wrote every time she commented, it was just very it was sometimes bitingly direct. It was so um so bluntly worded that there was it didn't it, it very often came across as harsh and I tried because she she first she very often was a very productive member in the group I really tried to explain to her why that was problematic um, and why it was affecting people and causing conflict but she really just she didn't understand she really couldn't see how being honest could ever be a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we can, we can get to that, uh, if we have time, but, um, I said to her, you know, why don't you try having someone who you think is a particularly kind person, read your comments first and just give you some feedback so you can kind of see how this might come up. She was never going to do that. She was never going to do that. I meant it when I suggested it, but she was never going to do that. And so why not because it's difficult to do that. Take two seconds to screenshot a comment and send it to a friend. The reason that a person isn't going to do that um, if they don't want to is because somebody that they trust may tell them that they're wrong, that the way they worded something isn't as kind or isn't really going to get their point across in a productive way. So, you know, in my dream world, if somebody is chronically blunt on on social media, um, they I wish that they would start to learn a sensitive tone by just running their, their potential comments by friends and loved ones before, before they post them. But they're just not there. Most people are just aren't going to do that. You have to be a really humble, humble growth oriented person. Um, 
you know, and there have been times where, you know, my husband is a, a kinder person than me. And there have been times where I, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, I do not want to show him this, this, you know, response that I've spent an hour writing out. But if I don't, I worry that I'm going to hurt someone's feelings because I'm, I'm really, you know, it's coming from a lot of passion. So I can trust the, that if I show him a response, he will help me word it in a patient, kind way. So, but it takes a lot of vulnerability and humility to do that. You have to be able to say, you know, there's potential that I'm going to find out that I was meaner than I meant it. Um, it takes a lot so, of self-awareness, right? To sit down yeah. with yourself sort of mentally and go, yeah. you know, am I, am I doing the right thing here? Am I being productive? Am I possibly being hurtful? What are my goals? And can I find someone I trust? And, I, you know, I think that that's a wonderful, wonderful idea, very productive idea, um, you know, like a really good suggestion of what we can do if we have this concern. And, you know, I think, like you said, it's going to take a certain amount of self-awareness to, to agree to do that, you know. But um, if, if you or, you know, someone you know is having this challenge, then that is certainly something worth exploring, I think. And, uh, you know... I think that you, Jenna, did something amazing in the group um, when you saw that there was a lot of, uh, you know, infighting or tearing down. And uh, that was the the girl behind the post that you started. So can you tell our listeners about uh, what inspired you to start the girl behind the post and what the girl behind the post was and what do you think it accomplished? Did it make a difference in the group? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. There was a rough week. I, I have to sit down and try to remember exactly what the specific conflict was. But there was, I remember particularly, um, people were just on edge. There was a lot of tension um, during the week. And I felt that I was like, what can I do? I've been trying so hard over the years to reach out privately, to intervene, to remove posts, um, or comments, but what can I do to like really remind people that there are real people um, behind every single comment and every single post that that will hopefully help people have some sort of empathy when they're going when they when they're about to you know write something really harsh. Like, what can I do to remind them that there is a woman there? There's a woman there being vulnerable, writing that, or even there's a woman there not being vulnerable, writing something kind of rude, but that. You know, she may be in pain and we just don't know know it. So I thought maybe if people, you know, because I've seen a lot of really positive feedback when people post pictures with their posts. So um, I said, what if we do this thing, person behind the post, where somebody, in order to post, and they can post about anything normal. They can post about where to get a dress from. They can post about, you know, a shade doll or something. But if they include a selfie, maybe people start getting into the habit of just remembering and remembering actively that there's a person there writing this as we speak. It's a real person sitting on our couch, you know, sitting at, at the dinner table, hopefully not with their family, <laughs> uh, <laughs> writing this as we speak. So I started it just kind of on a whim. It was my anniversary and I posted a picture. I said to myself, you know, I'm not going to do it all done up in a shade doll. Um, so that people don't think that they have to look perfect all the time. Uh, so I, I did that and I started the post and it became something that I, 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 I kick myself every time because I really, by now should see everything coming, but I don't, um, if I, what I thought would just be people posting regular posts, they actually started to really introduce themselves. 
um, and share some some things about their lives and their day to day and and things that they've been through. Um, and it really kind of exploded. I was getting like a hundred post requests every single day. Wow. Um, so what, you know, I was just planning to do it for a week and I extended it a little bit. Um, and you know, it didn't end well as many things don't, but what do you mean by that? So I was getting a lot of private messages and comments, you know, kind of angry at me for ending it. Oh, for ending um, it. For ending it. You know, it, my plan was, this is not sustainable. I can't live like this. I'm getting, I have to, re- I, I was reading every single post first and then had to make a decision um, to allow it. And there was a lot that went into that, you know, and I, like we just talked about previously, how once something is out there, it's out there forever, even if you delete it. Um, I, I was feeling that there was a veil a false veil of of safety in the group that was giving people a way to, uh, uh, or a sense that it was it was safe to share really vulnerable personal things about their families, about their loved ones, about their personal histories that um, that it would be safe to share in the group, but that it wouldn't go anywhere um, besides this small group of women, which is sixteen thousand women. So I was starting to get a lot of posts that to me were very raw and very real but they were also sharing things about people that weren't in the group like you know people's children and people's parents and people's ex-husbands or husbands um that you know I felt was I I couldn't be the avenue for which um other people's personal lives were shared through these posts so I made a decision that because I hadn't really ironed out how it would work, um, that I was going to, you know, close the initiative for now, as I had really always planned to do and said that I was going to do. Um, and people were really upset. And I, and I wrote a few things, um, in my kind of closing post about why I was closing it. I never really felt an obligation to explain myself in the group, but I do sometimes just to help people understand, to help people have some, you know, concept of, of why things are happening as they are in the group. So I, I wrote out, spent about, I don't know, almost two hours writing out a response and it really took a turn for the worst. People started really um, twisting my words and took screenshots, sent it to WhatsApp groups, sent it to other Facebook groups. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. And so it really, I got a lot of personal attacks, a lot, a lot of personal attacks, um, messages, angry, um, calling me horrible things. Wow. Um, so so that ended. And so for me, it's kind of, I. while some people might have a really positive taste in my mouth, I actually ended up having a really bad taste in my mouth from the whole thing. It was extremely time-consuming. Um, and you know, everyone's like, how could this possibly be a, you know, negative thing? Well, with, like I said, with every positive thing, there is negative potential. So there were some really amazing things that did happen. I think for, for a time people were kinder. They were offering each other so much chizuk. They were giving such positive, kind messages, um, you know, showing support, showing camaraderie. Um, so there were, there was a time where there was some really amazing positive change. Um, but it, you know, ultimately, you know, it's very difficult to change people. So in terms of a lasting effect, I haven't really seen much of a lasting effect. Um, unfortunately I wish, I wish so desperately that I could say that I, that I did, but it takes, it takes a person, it's really not going to take a kind of week long brief initiative to change people people are really going to have to want to change themselves 
Wow. So Jenna, everything you just said about the from uh, about the girl behind the post is, I, I don't even know what to say because the reason I brought it up was because I took away a really positive message from it. Um, I saw a lot of the posts. I mean, there were so many. I, I can't say I read each and every one of them, but one of the the main takeaway points for me was that everybody that we know, everybody that we see, everybody that we interact with has a story, has something that they're going through, has something that they've gone through. And to me, it was really, you know, you know this, we all know this on some level, but when you see it really, really, you know, an individual woman and one after another, after another saying, I struggled with this and I struggled with, you know, something else that was like a really life-changing, life-altering, difficult thing, you know, that they had to go through and grow from or, you know, maybe still struggle with. And, you know, sometimes you can learn like, there was one woman who posted, I think her husband had MS or some sort of illness and her post just had such positive vibes to it. And I got so much chizuk from that because I was like, wow, look at what this woman is dealing with and how much positivity you can just, you know, absorb from her post. Like it, to me, that was really inspiring. And there was so much inspiration in that. And, you know, I, I was not aware that on the flip side, there was so much negativity. And like you said, there's so often a lot of negativity that goes along with the positivity. And I just wish that people can keep in mind that when there's something positive, can we try to keep it positive? I don't know. Like, like you said, it takes more than a one week initiative and people really have to want to change. But I don't know. I mean, I I, am totally it's so it's interesting, because I'm actually thinking just off the cuff right now, how it really relates to our in person relationships, also our interpersonal relationships with our spouses and our children. You know, if sometimes very often we've expressed to our spouse or we've we've tried to start something, you know, a positive behavior with our children and we see improvement for about a week and then all of a sudden we're feeling good about it and then all of a sudden, you know, our loved one reverts back to the exact behavior that um, we were originally upset about in the first place and asked them to change. So then we really have to ask ourselves is this person like is this person a, you know a superhuman who can just change their their negative behavior immediately and never make a mistake again um, or do we have a real opportunity to say you know what i've seen you try so hard um, and i so appreciate that you're a human you make a mistake i'm human i absolutely make mistakes um, can we try to be close despite that and can can i try to be patient knowing that you're working on this thing but it's not easy so um, I think person behind the post is kind of like a, you know, micro, microcosm of kind of like a, a more important issue, which is our in-person relationships. But I think what happened was there was a brief time where people were really inspired and really felt the beauty of the connectivity, the um, support and the inspiration of seeing people, what they go through. And if you're saying like exactly like you said, you know, someone's going through something very painful at home that they have no control over and they're really being so um, positive and hopeful and having such a moon about their situation. That is nothing but inspiring for all of us. You know, you go to a shear, you get so inspired by that shear. They're, they're, they're talking about Imuna and they, they tell the story about how they overcame something so tragic and you're so inspired. Um, and then you leave that shear and you're like, nobody can make a mistake. I, everyone is human. I like, you know, I forgive everyone and everything and I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be closer to Hashem. But you know, that, that just isn't sustainable. It's, it's, it takes 
more than that. It takes it takes harder work than that to really make a change internally. And I think that's the facade of technology and social media is that things are quick. They happen quickly. Inspiration is in bursts. And, I, you know, I think this was a challenge long before the Internet in Judaism. You know, we get inspired by something. We want to take it with us. We want it to last. You know, we, we found out that someone that we didn't even realize reciting, you know, you know, 30 Prakam of Tehillim, like every single day, well, she can do it, I can do it. Well, you know, that's not how it works, you know, and, and sometimes people really do take on things, but really what changes people is the small things, the patience and hard work. So I think like what you're saying is so true. And I, and I, and I really do believe that there are things that people can take from example, for example, from a sheer, for, from an inspirational, from Girl Problems post, people can take those things with them. It can, it can pop up and it can remind them about what's important and bigger picture. Um, but what really makes people change deeply, and that's why, you know, as they say, it's like, even changing one meta in a lifetime is like so difficult. Um, the reason why it's so hard is because it's so big and so powerful and it's not going to happen from one week of initiative. So I know people were feeling like their, their Facebooks were more inspiring because of the week. Um, but it's, it's just ironic. Second it ended people, most people, unless they were, you know, already very, soft, sensitive, kind people to begin with, most people kind of went back to their regular ways of interacting on social media, which I was, I was not surprised about. Um, so I, 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 I'm with you that there were some posts that were so inspiring and like, it really changed your day and it made you look at your spouse different or makes you look at your children differently. But at the end of the day, real changes in a person, real sustainable changes are just going to be from the really small hard internal things um and that's 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 to me why um that, that was the whole irony of person behind those posts i think people felt that this would help the internet be a better place and for a week it did but um to have a lasting effect on something it's just going to have to be much smaller much more internal um and a lot more effort has to go into it than just reading a post Sure. And I think, you know, the, the first step is, like we touched on a bunch of times, is just awareness, right? Awareness of yourself um, and, you know, what your, quote unquote, triggers are, what your strengths are, maybe what your weaknesses are, how other people perceive you and how you come across, right? Like it all just starts with maybe, the, you know, I think this is something difficult but to do. It sounds easy, but it's difficult to do. If each of us can take away a little message of maybe, you know, take a moment and have a little bit of introspection of, you know, an aware, try to gain an awareness of how you come across to people, uh, what your goals are when you get online and interact. Are you looking for inspiration? Are you looking for conflict? You know, maybe you don't realize it, but maybe you just had a really, really hard day and you have so much pent up energy. I'm like, maybe you need to stay off of social media tonight or at least don't comment, you know. And on the other side, an awareness of what goes into some of the services that we use you know, like, like a group, like from Girl Problems, you know, I learned a lot about what you do and how much effort you put into it. And there's so many, there's over 16,000 women enjoying your group, which you, you know, it's a labor of love for you and not just love, but you put so much effort into trying to make it a productive environment, an inspiring environment, one that people can gain from. Like you said, you're constantly evaluating whether there's more good than bad um, in order to keep it going. And I think that for 
the women of from Go Problems and also, you know, women who use other social media or other things in their personal lives, like you mentioned, a shul or an event, you know, you, we might look at something and say, oh, well, you know, it had this problem. Oh, the shul didn't have enough food at the kiddish or whatever. Behind all of the things that we are experiencing, there are people who are putting in time and effort. And very often it's on a volunteer basis. They're not getting paid for it. They're doing it for us to benefit from. That's something that's so, so important for us to keep in mind before we start complaining, before we start criticizing. Um, and I think, you know, since this is a podcast for from women, I wanted to just um, end off with the idea that, you know, we, we are in Gullis, unfortunately, so much of what we've seen on social media lately is anti-Semitism. There's anti-Semitic attacks. We're all worried about it, you know, especially for those of us that have maybe have small children or elderly parents or whatever, you know, we have this this concern in the back of our minds and for ourselves too, like, you know, where is all this going to go? We are seeing attacks, verbal attacks, physical attacks, and people are posting like, what can we do? What should we do? Why, why am I feeling so, you know, unsettled and all this? Well, if I may, <laughs> the reason we're in Gullahs is because of, you know, the base of was destroyed because of Simas Khinam. And there's so much positivity that could be gained from social media, from Facebook, from interacting with other Jews but there's also so much negativity that can come along with that. And if we can sort of keep, try to keep in the back of our minds, like we're in Gullahs because of Sinasrinam, because we we failed miserably at how we treat each other. And maybe before we post or before we comment, we can take a moment, like Jenna suggested, to just take a moment and think, is this productive? Is this kind? Is it respectful? Maybe write a couple of those words down on your computer and think about it each time you post. I think that our goal should be to engage and should be to have conversations, especially about topics that there's disagreement on. We don't want to just stop the conversation. Then we'll never do anything productive either. But if we can approach each other with some kindness and respect um, and just take a moment to think that through before we interact with each other on social media and remember that whatever you put out there is forever and you don't know how the other person on the other end holding her phone or sitting at her computer is going to perceive your words. So try to make it kind. Uh, hopefully we can bring a little more kindness to, to the world of social media and technology and teach that to our children and the future generations who are looking at us as role models of behavior and how we um, spend our time online. So what do you think, Jenna? I'm so with you. Every word you said is really beautiful. I think that, you know, we, we have op- the best thing, one of the best things about being Jewish is that we have opportunities to reform, to change, you know, the way we do things. And, and you know, we, we all have these amazing personality strengths that are always posing these obstacles for us. And why is that? It's because for the same reason that, you know, there's, there's, productive and there's destructive it's because our our unique set of strengths is so we have such opportunity to do something for the jewish people that nobody else can do we have we have an opportunity to give over our you know experience our life experiences and wisdom that we've gained um through a channel and 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 that only we can give over um but in the same token you know there's so much there's so much challenge and getting that out in you know and that's why we have there's a whole book on on jewish law and the, the laws of jewish speech uh or the laws of speech so you know it's because it's so complicated and it's not easy um but it's so worth it when you live a life of of thoughtful speech and kindness to others um and i, I think like you said like all we want is to get out of gullis 
all we really want is for the world to be a kinder place. Um, and I think, you know, first step inward, you know, there's a Michael Jackson song, Man in the Mirror. Um, and he says, you know, the first step is to just look aside yourself, look at the man in the mirror. And it's true. It's It really starts with each person looking inward and sometimes facing some very painful things about ourselves, some either some mitos that we, you know, we know aren't great that we really have avoided working on, or, you know, we've said something that we really regret it. We feel like we need to figure out a way to say it better. Those are difficult things to do. They're very, it's very humble and it's very painful to look inside. But, you know, once we do that first, like you said, um, then, then the next steps of interacting with others in a really positive, kind way is really possible. Everybody can do it. Every person there has a, has a beautiful Jewish neshama and there's so much opportunity to come close to each other we see it in our in our in our relationships we see it in our with our parents and our marriages um with children like we we have such opportunity to to make changes to come close to each other um and and I think it's no different on social media so it just does take hard work and introspection I think you're absolutely right Jenna and I really want to thank you both for uh, the time and effort that you put in on Facebook to create a positive environment. I am one of the 16,000 women in the group, and I, I definitely enjoy it and benefit from it. So thank you so much for that. And of course, thank you so much for being with us today to talk about this really important topic and offering your insight. You see a side of it that many others, and most others don't. You have a very unique perspective. And I thank you so much for sharing it with us. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. Thanks, Jenna. Take care. You too.